Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. So Aristotle says that compulsion, being compelled by necessity or force, can make an action involuntary. So it's something that we're not responsible for. And what might be some examples of this sort of thing? Imagine that, I've, I've used this example a couple other times. Imagine I put a chip in your head that made you do what it is that I want you to do. So you're totally under my control, and I've got some sort of controller, you know, imagine something like a double joystick, you know, with a bunch of buttons, and I'm, I'm making you go around. So I say, well, I think I'm going to have him rob a bank. So I make you go into the bank and pull out a gun and I type in, you know, put all the money in the bag. Are you responsible for that, those actions? We would say no, right? And Aristotle would say no, because you're doing the action, but you're not choosing the action. Somebody else is forcing you to do it. Another example would be, imagine that you're under the influence of some sort of drug or alcohol, so you're kind of, you know, loosey-goosey, and I pick up your, your hand and I whack somebody else across the face with it. I made your hand do that. You didn't choose to do it, right? Now, you know, somebody else comes along and say, yeah, that's your handprint on my face. And you can say, yeah, but I wasn't in charge. I wasn't in control of my own faculties. So-and-so made me do that. Evil Dr. Sabbath. So we can imagine all sorts of circumstances like that. Think of, for example, in the multiple, now that we have Facebook and other things, people get drunk, and what do other people do to them? What sort of things? That, then they take photos of and put on, on Facebook. Drunk. Draw on them, yeah. Pose them with things, right? Put them in, in, in situations where they're very incongruous looking things. Then you snap a photo and you, you offload it. You say, wow, look what a jackass this person is. Obviously, they put themselves in this strange compromising situation. And then they can come along and they say, well, you know, I didn't choose to do that. They made me, right? These are easy cases, aren't they? These are cases where clearly you're not in control of what it is that you're doing. He talks about cases where you're carried somewhere by weather. You want to get somewhere on time, we might say, but a rainstorm comes down and you can't drive safely. You ever been in a rainstorm like that? First people pull over the, the motorcycles and they get under bridges and then pretty soon everybody turns on their hazards and they get off the road and so you miss your appointment. You didn't miss it because you chose to miss your appointment. You, you had to stop. Something you know in necessity carried you elsewhere. You get into a boat, and now you know, we have a lot more control because of the technology that we have. But in Aristotle's time, if you got into a boat, you were pretty much going where the wind and the waves were going to take you. You had a rudder, and you had a moors and a sail, and you might get somewhere close to where you want to be, but sometimes you might end up somewhere totally different. Again, not your fault. It, that's compulsion. That's some other force or necessity that makes things go the way that they go. It gets more interesting when we're thinking about other people's wills and the choices they force on us. Then we get into situations where we would say, well, they made me do it. I didn't have a choice. I'm sorry, but, but things have to go this way because I'm listening to my superiors or somebody's put me into a difficult situation. And then oftentimes people plead compulsion and they say, I can't possibly do that, right? So that's one set of, of issues. Another thing that come up might be our desires. Don't we sometimes feel like we're prey to our desires? We don't have control over them. They control us instead. 
Or we feel that way at least with some desires. Like, you know, think about when you're really, really tired. You know, you haven't slept very well for a couple days or you've been busy doing things. I mean, pretty soon it's going to be final exam week and you guys are going to all be totally stressed out and tired because you're writing papers and catching up on things and studying for exams and you're all going to look, you know, pretty worn down and you'll be really happy when it's over. You fall asleep. You have the intention of staying awake, but you fall asleep because you're unable to resist your body's own urges. You know, you, you felt that like when your eyes are starting to close and you're like, stop, wake up, you know, like slap yourself. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So that can get dangerous when you're on a drive. I can drive for about 13 hours straight, and then I start to get sleepy. And that 14th, 15th, 16th hour, because I used to make long-distance drives, gets really dicey. You know, and if I'm smart, what I do is I pull over, take a nap. So our desires could cause us to, to feel like we're being compelled. What else? It's in the emotions. When you're in the grip of a very strong emotion, doesn't it sometimes feel like you, you don't have a choice? The emotions take those choices away from you. So let's see what Aristotle says about these sort of situations. He says, there's some doubt about actions done through fear. Fear of a worse alternative or for some noble object. As, for example, if a tyrant having a man's parents and children in his power commands him to do something low, something base, something ignoble. When if he complies, their lives will be spared, but if he refuses, they'll be put to death. That's a tough situation, right? A lot of people would say you don't have a choice in that kind of situation. Aristotle would say, well, you're, you're forced in a certain way, but you also still do have some sort of choice. You are choosing between different goods. If you think that saving your family is the most important thing, that's the greatest value for you, you are choosing that value, right? And if you think that not doing something base is more important or something that might be compromising, then you're choosing that. That's reflective of the kind of person that you are. He says it's open to question whether such actions are voluntary or involuntary. That's the question that we want to decide. He says in a somewhat similar case, Imagine you're in a storm, you're on a ship, and you've got a lot of cargo on that ship, and your life savings are invested in that cargo. That's going to either make your, your fortune, or you're going to lose everything and have to start from, from scratch. A storm comes along. If you don't throw that cargo overboard, the ship is going to capsize. What do you do? If you throw it overboard, you'll survive, right? People will, in most cases, then you know, jettison the cargo. The question isn't so much what are you going to do, the question is, is that voluntary or are you being compelled? So he says, in cases like this, we want to call them mixed or composite. We want to say that compulsion is entering into that, but that kind of compulsion doesn't make us necessarily choose the good or the bad. We actually do contribute something to it. So he says, they're much more like the voluntary class. At the time that they're done, they're chosen or will. Isn't that why we hold people accountable when they do make those sort of decisions? We say, yeah, I understand that you're forced, but you still didn't have to kill that person over there to keep yourself from being exposed if you're a public figure. We would say, well, I was being blackmailed, so therefore I get a pass on that one. We would say, well, you should have done something different. He says, the end or motive in act varies with the occasion, so the terms voluntary and involuntary should be used with reference to the time of the action. So if we want to think about compulsion, we have to, we have to think about those sorts of things. 
He does give you some, you know, ways out. He says, in some cases, submission, though not praise, is condoned when a man does something wrong through fear of penalties that impose too great a strain on human nature and that no one could endure. And by no one, he doesn't mean nobody ever, anytime throughout history, because guaranteed, if you look, you know, you'll find anything that you could possibly pick, there's somebody who put up with it and actually chose it because there have been billions of human beings on this planet. And what he means is, there are certain thresholds beyond which we would say, okay, at that point, you're no longer able to keep yourself back. So where do these thresholds lie? He doesn't actually tell you that. It would be nice if he did, wouldn't it? You know exactly how far you could go. That's something that we have to try to figure out. We're not going to try to do that in this, this class itself. But, you know, what could you use, do you think, as, as reliable guides for that? Maybe look at people that you admire, see how much they're able to endure, and then if it goes beyond that, then you can say, yes, I, I was compelled. He says, there seem to be some acts which a person cannot be compelled to do, and rather than do them, you ought to submit to the most terrible death. And he, he has an example of, of matricide, which means killing your mother. For the Greeks, killing a, a family member was considered to be much worse than killing somebody else, and killing a, a parent was considered to be much worse than killing like a brother or sister. And killing your mother is considered to be, in some ways, worse than killing your father. So Aristotle says, you know, there's this guy in a play who's compelled by certain threats to murder his mother, and he says, it really, he can't say that he's getting off of that because he's being threatened. That's really his choice. And he says, but it, it is difficult to decide how far we ought to go in choosing to do a given act rather than suffer a given penalty, or in incurring a given penalty rather than commit a given action. So this is not something that we have hard and fast rules for. This is something that we have to sort of, you know, think about and figure out. He also brings up a, another difficulty, which ties in with the problem of what we call self-control or lack of self-control. He says, once we've actually made our decision, imagine you're in a difficult choice and you didn't choose the situation that you're in and both alternatives seem kind of bad to you and you're like choosing the, the lesser of the two evils. It's hard to actually stick with that choice isn't it? Because you don't like either one of the alternatives. And he says, when made um, in, in, these, in the, most of these dilemmas, the penalty threatened is painful and the deed forced upon is dishonorable. And so that makes it you know, quite difficult. We need self-control for that. What about some other cases that we could think of? If somebody were, in fact, a hardcore drug user and they tell you that they, well, you know, let's say they do a crime in order to be able to procure drugs steal something so they can fence it, so they can get some money, so they can go get it fixed. First of all, would you say, put Aristotle aside, would you say that that person is compelling, that it's not their choice? No? They always have a choice? Drug addiction can get pretty serious. It can deprive a person of not only, you know, vital elements of their personality, but we might even say their, their freedom of will. What would Aristotle say? How would he see that? I think he would be willing to say that in those cases, that's one of those instances where it's going beyond what a person could endure. You, you listen to the accounts of what it's like to kick heroin or kick meth, and it's very tough. And people generally fail at it unless they've got some sort of help. Even, you know, quitting smoking or quitting drinking alcohol, it's pretty tough if you become addicted to it. I know I've quit smoking many times, which means that I didn't stay quit most of the times that I quit, right? I failed. A lot of times I was through failure a little but if I was really, really addicted, then I wouldn't really have a choice. Right? Now, you can say, well, you made a choice to get addicted. But that's, that's more about the past, once you're actually in the grip of compulsion. What do you guys think about these desires, fears, 
emotions. Is it possible to get so angry that you can't be held accountable for what you do? What do you think? Yeah. What if you have like some sort of a medical issue that makes an involuntary like assignment that's due say, for example, anger management is something that you just have for a while? Yeah. Or maybe Tourette's where you act a certain way to certain times. is a great example because you know, there's actually like a South Park episode. Have you guys seen this? The South Park episode about the Tourette's where Cartman pretends he's got Tourette's because he gets to swear all the time because people who have Tourette's are excused because of their swearing, because it's a neurological condition. It's your, it's your body sort of going against you. They're not actually choosing to say the stuff. And then, of course, the joke on Cartman is that he ends up with Tourette's, and he finds himself unable to stop swearing when he wants to. He finds himself... In that case, what Cartman would be um, doing, he's actually acquiring advice from Aristotle's perspective that looks like Tourette's. And, you know, before people understood it as a medical condition, people were holding people with Tourette's accountable for it and saying, you're choosing to swear at me. Now we know better. We know that, look, they, they can try to resist, but they're going to fail. Whatever they're going to, and, you know, hopefully they can keep themselves saying things that are fairly mild and not crazy, terrible swears. And there could be other, yeah, other, other medical conditions what we call diagnosable disorders using the DSM-4. DSM-5 is out, but there's a lot of controversy about it, so I wouldn't use it. But the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that people in psychotherapy use, there are certain things that are diagnosable as severe disorders. And people in the grip of those, we would say that they are suffering from a compulsion which they cannot resist effectively. They may be able to resist it through great force of will in some circumstances, but sooner or later, they're going to fail. So anger could be, incapacity to control one's anger could fit into that. And are there some situations where you could take a normal person off the street who doesn't have anger problems and just subject them to so much abuse that sooner or later you're going to get the anger response from them? I think so. Aristotle would be, would be sympathetic to that sort of thing. Could there be some circumstances that are not actually caused by somebody being mean and putting that person into that situation, but just all sorts of frustrations that arise and a person that loses control? Imagine, like, you know, they lose their, their house, they lose their job, they get splashed by the car going by the puddle, totally soaked. What else should we add to it? Their shoes fall apart, they're sick. You can just keep adding more and more things, right? Would a person who's in that sort of situation, if they lose their temper, was that voluntary or involuntary on their part? I think at a certain point, we would be willing to say, and Aristotle would be willing to say, that was involuntary. They were pushed so far that they couldn't do otherwise. Or we could say this about other emotions, like being sad, depression, right? Some people are unable to cope, get out of bed sometimes even, and people come by and say, come on, rise and shine, put a happy face on, get out of bed. Uh, and then they'll say, well, you're just lingering. You're, you're not actually that sad. You're making yourself sad or something like that. Aristotle would be willing to say there's some cases where somebody could be, their reactions are coming from emotions, and, and there's no way that they can do it. I think he'd set the bar kind of high for that. And, and if it's, a, if it's a, a consequence of our own vices, of our own bad choices, made over and over again, if every time that I get sad, I go and I lay in bed, and I don't talk with anybody, pretty soon I'm going to get depressed, Right? And maybe my depression in that case is not the same thing as somebody who's got chemical imbalance and actually needs antidepressants. Maybe I'm just maybe I am in that case malingering, and then I would be responsible for it. It wouldn't be a compulsion; it would be a vice. Do you guys see the difference between those those categories? There's one other case of compulsion that Aristotle 
talks about, not in book three, but in book seven, and that is what he calls brutality. And, you know, he gives examples of people who have been abused or, you know, things have gone, we had some, you know, examples of neurological disorders. If you grow up in a society that is really off kilter as far as its culture, imagine, for example, growing up in a combat zone. People have all sorts of problems that, that come about because of that. They're not all well-adjusted. There would be some things that perhaps we would be willing to excuse for them and say that they're unable to keep themselves from doing. You know, if they had an incre incredible sense of paranoia, if you grew up in a, a combat zone, maybe that's actually a, an adaptive response, right? We would say that somebody like that is, is not as responsible for their actions. We'd want to try to fix that if we could, though, right? We'd want to try to make things better for them. But we may not be able to do that. And in some cases of you know, horrific abuse, in some cases of aerosol-called morbid disorders, that may not be possible. At that point, the person is, is for aerosol, below the level of the human. So they're no longer a human agent. They're more just like an animal, more just following instincts, urges, those sorts of things. And he says that this is morally less bad than vice. But it's more horrific, because when you look at situations like that, the normal human response to that is to feel, feel a sense of uh, something has gone terribly wrong. Those are pretty rare, I think, that we encounter that with compulsion, right? Sometimes people actually will try to pretend like that's the case so that they can excuse their conduct. But in our society, things like that are relatively rare, I think. But not rare everywhere, though. They haven't been rare at every point in history. So, yeah, that's probably enough about compulsion. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.